Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Aaron, hey man, it's Luke. Oh, hi, Luke. Hey, so 30 years ago this week was the 33rd annual Grammy Awards. I remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, I was hoping you would. So if you want to quiz me, I'm ready. Oh, um, no. How about you quiz me? Okay. Uh, <laughs> who won um, record of the year? Oh, let's see. The 33rd. I get that one in the 34th confused. Yeah, I can see that. Give but me it's some the... choices. Okay, uh, I'll tell you who it's not. It's not MC Hammer. Okay. It's not Sinead O'Connor. Uh-huh. And it's not Mariah Carey. Okay. Um, and it's not Bette Midler. The... Oh, well, that was what I was about to say, Bette Midler. I'll just go. I'll... How about this? This will make it a little more fun. I'll tell you who all of the nominees were, and then you can guess. Okay, perfect. Okay, so the nominees were MC Hammer, mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor, yeah. Mariah Carey. Oh, Mariah Carey. Uh-huh. Bette Midler. Yeah. And and Phil Collins. Oh, the 33rd. Really, uh, I'm going to say Phil Collins. Unbelievable. I knew you would get it. I knew. You know, this, yeah. I was like, when you said you remembered, I was like, I bet he does remember. I bet he does. Was it for um, Another Day in Paradise? It was. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you really do remember. I do love Phil Collins. I mean, how can you not, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a legend. No, that was that. That was a real question. How could you not? Oh, um, I'm not sure. The I know the answer to that question, Luke. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for playing along. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the quiz anytime. game. Anytime. Your trivia knowledge is remarkable. <laughs> so I've heard that before. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Hey, I'll uh, I'll see you soon. All right. See you in thirty years. I won't. I probably yeah. I probably won't see you soon, but I will talk to you soon. Yes, deal. See you, buddy. Bye. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 3, Episode 8, Redheads, Rock Legends, and Gender Stereotypes. Today we're looking back at the weeks that ended Saturday, February 23rd and March 2nd, 1991. Hello friends, we're back after a brief but really eventful hiatus filled with freezing temperatures, burst pipes, electrical grid failures, and all kinds of other similarly restful excitement. So much for playing catch up. Regardless, I'm back and excited to dive into all the retro goodness from the last two weeks in 30-year-old pop culture headlines. Perhaps the most exciting news from these two weeks in 1991 was that we finally saw a changing of the guard in the top spot on the Billboard 200 chart. After an impressive, although not quite MC Hammer impressive, 16-week run at the top, Vanilla Ice's To the Extreme, a mediocre album by all critical accounts, enjoyed its final week at number one and then was replaced by the self-titled debut from Mariah Carey, which would remain in that spot for 11 straight weeks. If you're relatively new to the show, you may be wondering why I even bother talking about the number one album in the country each week, as it seems to very rarely change. 
But no, that wasn't always the case. Up until about a year ago, when MC Hammer started one of the longest chart runs in music history, this chart used to change every week or two. And after this run from Mariah, we'll get back to that rhythm. But for now, Mariah was on top and wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. This record has sold, to date, over 9 million copies in the U.S. alone, which is impressive, but still only represents less than 5% of Mariah's overall career album sales. While I'm not a huge fan of her non-Christmas music today, I was 30 years ago, and I still believe her to be one of the purest, raw vocal talents the world has known. So it makes sense to me that her debut would garner such massive, critical, and commercial success. We'll dive much more into it in the coming weeks, I'm sure. On the Billboard Hot Rap chart 30 years ago, we saw EPMD hold the number one spot for one final week with their single, Gold Digger, before being replaced by rap legend Chubb Rock's classic, Treat em Right. This was a huge hit for 22-year-old Chubb Rock and one of three that would be listed in the year-end top 10 rap singles for 1991. It was listed in 2008 as number 82 in VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of Hip-Hop. On the hot R&B and hip-hop charts in 1991, we saw CNC Music Factory cling to the number one spot for one final week before being replaced by the same song that also topped the Hot 100 chart for each of the last two weeks. All the Man That I Need by the incomparable Whitney Houston. This song, originally recorded in 1982 by R&B singer Linda Clifford, was released on Whitney's third studio album, I'm Your Baby Tonight, and became the fourth biggest single of her career on the Hot 100 chart, as well as her fifth Grammy nomination for Best Pop Vocal Performance at the 34th Annual Grammy Awards a year later. The Billboard Hot Country chart also had a new number one song for each of the last two weeks, with Mike Reed's Walk on Faith. If we walk on faith Trust in love Just keep on putting one foot down In front of the other Come on, walk on faith When the valley is wide Everything inside Is telling you to give up Walk on faith The song was Reed's first and most successful single as a solo artist. Although he'd had some chart success in the late 80s singing a duet with country music legend Ronnie Millsap on his 18th studio album, Heart and Soul. In movie news 30 years ago, The Silence of the Lambs was once again the top earner at the box office for each of the last two weeks, although there was a bit more competition than in previous weeks. On February 22, 1991, the Kevin Bacon-Elizabeth Perkins romantic comedy He Said, She Said hit theaters. Just take my advice. Just stay away from him. Just never go out with him. From the moment she met him. No chance I don't go out with cowardly scumbags. She knew he was egotistical. Sex with me is very good. I'm sure. Why, have you heard something? 
and opinionated. I don't consider myself a journalist. I wouldn't brag about it. I'm a newspaper man. From the moment he met her, he knew she was intellectual. Maybe I'm too cerebral. That means brain. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and emotional. I feel great. I really do. She wanted commitment. I will start with monogamy. He wanted what every man wants. Just a side order of sex, please. <laughs> what? Then, suddenly, one night, they both got <laughs> what they wanted. You two are both terrific. Ever considered being on TV? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, no. This is he said. She said. There are two sides to every story. I feel so stupid. At last, there's a movie with both of them. His. Susan. Maybe we could get together next week, go to an art opening or something. That would be great. Give me a call. And hers. Susan. Let's get together next week and go to the roller derby or something. Okay, that sounds good, but you gotta wear that dress. I don't know. We always have to do what you want to do. What are you talking about? We spent my vacation to visit your parents. You use condoms? Well, oh, he's got condom written all over him. We're just trying to get to know him, honey. You'll see him through her eyes. Honey, you okay? Why don't you two just go to bed together and get it over with? And her through his. Don't you ever think about getting married? Kevin Bacon. Why fix it if it ain't broken? And that's the way I see it. Ow! Elizabeth Perkins. Looking up at your fat, smug, fat face, I couldn't help myself. Oh, well, thanks, honey. That's quite an apology. He said. She said. Where is the spot? On your left boob. What the hell is she doing? <laughs> honey, honey, we're both on camera. Oh. I'm not sure what the budget was for this film, but it made back a little under $10 million, so hopefully it wasn't too much. I wasn't much for rom-coms in those days, although I was a big fan of Kevin Bacon, based entirely on his roles as Ren McCormick in Footloose and Valentine McKee in Trimmers, but I was and remain fairly uninterested in seeing this one. If I'm wrong and it's worth checking out, by all means let me know. The following weekend, on March 2nd, 1991, another film released that I feel like I should care about, but just don't. Val Kilmer and Oliver Stone's The Doors. Bobby Krieger, guitar player. John Densmore, percussionist, 22 years old. Far out. Uh, Pamela Morrison, ornament. Raymond Daniel Manzarek, 121239, position. Name, occupation. Uh, Jim. On a day, you know the day destroys the night. Sides are being chosen. The planet is screaming for change, Morrison. We gotta make the myths. Oh! You need to say the first shaman invented sex. They call him the one who makes you crazy. I'm the lizard king! I can do anything! Jim Morrison. The god of rock. The guys at Network have told us that they have a little problem with the lyric, girl, we couldn't get much higher. They asked if you could say instead, girl, we can't get much better. Can you dig that? Girl, we couldn't get much higher. I love it when you sing to me. I'm the poet and you're my muse. Try drinking blood. 
Mr. Morrison, you've gone too far. You're a poet, not a rock star. What you gonna do for act three? Okay, I get that Jim Morrison is a music legend and Oliver Stone is a brilliant filmmaker and whatever, but I just can't find the desire within me to watch this movie. I feel no nostalgia for The Doors and prefer to think of Val Kilmer exclusively as Iceman, Mad Mardigan, or Doc Holliday. I just don't need him as Jim Morrison, or for what it's worth, as Batman, but we're still a few years away from that conversation. This film fared okay at the box office, but never quite made back its $38 million budget. I suppose I'm partially to blame, but even still, no desire to see it. Other news from this week in 1991, on February 27th, music legend James Brown was granted an early parole and released from jail following his arrest after a high-speed car chase through two states in 1989. And the very next day, the Gulf War ended when Iraq accepted a ceasefire following their retreat from Kuwait, although I highly doubt those two events were related. And while it didn't likely make any headlines at the time, we also saw the birth of two talented and famous redheads, both on February 17, 1991. Singer-songwriter Ed Sheeran and actress Bonnie Wright, who's best known as Ginny Weasley from the Harry Potter film franchise. You have to feel old knowing that even the young characters from those movies are now in their 30s. I know I do. Regardless, happy 30th, Ed and Bonnie. Thanks so much for listening to 30 Pop, as I'm sure you do, even while you have yet to post about it on social media. And thanks also to you, friends, for continuing to show up for this weekly dose of nostalgia. It is such a joy to share these minutes with you each week. Now, as I attempt once again to get all caught up following the craziness in Texas over the last few weeks, I'll be back in two weeks with yet another double episode. And then, hopefully, barring any unforeseen nightmarish circumstances, we'll be back on our normal weekly schedule. So until next time, remember the words of Uncle Olaf. Happiness is easy if you just take off your overcoat. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Braun. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 30 years ago that you want to share, leave a message on the answering machine at 30pop.com. 